Good morning. No one knew today what I was going to preach on, but I love it when the Spirit knows and totally directs worship and everything. God is amazing. And um, today I'm going to actually speak on Revelation. You didn't know that. The revelation of Jesus. That's what it really is. It's not just revelation about the future. It's revelation about the Messiah, the one who actually gets all of the glory. And it's a book of prophecy. I uh, feel like I have a prophetic word, and I rarely give an individual word in public, but I also feel I should do that. So I want to say to the drummer today, um, God is going to give you new beats. He's already been doing that. And um, you're going to get even more, and it's going to lead this place and other places into newness and revival. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, This was a vision of John on the Isle of Patmos. You might say, well, where in the world is Patmos? Well, Patmos is part of Greek, it, Greece. It, it was off Asia Minor, an island. And I've been on that island. I've been in the very cave where they believe that John had the vision. I've seen where he was sleeping and where he laid his head. I can picture this entirely. And John was given a vision of the book of Revelation. He was given a prophetic word. He must have been pretty shook up to get the book of Revelation in its entirety in all of its strangeness, has to be something else. But I'll tell you what, through the whole thing, even though there are parts of it that we still don't quite understand, we know that Jesus reigns supreme. He wrote to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the amen the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Now, this is interesting because he's saying this is the word of Jesus, and the word of Jesus is given to seven different churches in Asia Minor. They are all a little bit different. He commends all of them except for the church at Laodicea. This particular church had some problems. He says to them, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. This, these verses here are pretty 
much in your face. He's basically saying, I don't like how you're living. But there's a lot here. Many times this particular verse is talked about as attitude. And, and if that were correct, if that's a correct interpretation, then he wouldn't be saying, I wish you were either cold or hot. He wouldn't want people to be cold. He would want them to be hot. So what is Jesus saying here? Why is he saying, I wish you were either hot or cold, that you were one or the other? Well, there really is an answer to this if you start doing a little bit of research. And you begin to learn um, where exactly Laodicea is. Like I said, it's on Asia Minor. Patmos is just right off the map there on it. And if you look, you can see that there are several other towns near there. One of them was called Heropolis. Now, Heropolis was famous for its hot water. In fact, it was considered medicinal. People would come there like to a spa. They would sit in that hot water, which had minerals, and it was supposed to be good for your health. And of course, in that day when there were really not the kind of doctors that we have today, it was the only place people could go to try to find relief. So he said, the hot is good. It's good for something. And the cold part is interesting because there's another town near Laodicea, which is called Colossae. Yes, that is the town to which Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians. Colossae is actually famous for its cold water. It was really, really good to drink. It was also considered healthy. It was considered to be a blessing to have a cold, nice, ice-cold, good well water like that was coming out of the springs. But he said, both of those are good for something. And he started out in verse 15, this whole section, saying, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. He's basically saying, you're doing a lot, but it's not good for anything. It's not good for a single thing. You are lukewarm, and lukewarm doesn't taste good. It doesn't do anything worthwhile. You know, I look at my own life sometimes, and I'd like to think that I'm good for something. I'd like to think that what I'm doing is worthwhile. I'd like to think that the effort that I'm putting into things actually means something in this day and age. But the church at Laodicea, Though it had many deeds, and Jesus knew those deeds, he's saying they really aren't good for anything. In fact, my mind goes back to another metaphor that I've been speaking on lately, and that's regarding the fruit of the Spirit. You remember that Jesus, at the end of John, when he is saying goodbye to his disciples, he knows he's going to go out and he's going to end up being killed, he says to them, remain in me. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. You can't do anything without Jesus. 
You might say, oh, I'm just a really busy person, so how can this possibly be? I'll tell you what, all that busyness, all that stuff is nothing if you do it without Jesus. It counts for nothing. And Jesus is saying here to the church at Laodicea, I want your deeds to count. I want you to do something that is meaningful. I don't want you to just be lukewarm in your deeds. Eh, whatever, I'll just get it done. I want you to be good for something. I want to use you for something that's going to change my kingdom. <laughs> I'm going to use you for something that makes an impact for eternity. I want what happens through you to be something that you see as a legacy in heaven because it endures. I say to you today that you know, your attitude counts. I mentioned that sometimes this is referred to here, and yeah, that's important. A lukewarm attitude is not good. <laughs> but most of all, God wants you to be good for something. He said to the Laodicea, to the church at Laodicea, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. He's saying, you know what, this is such an important concept for you to get, that if you don't listen to it, if you aren't good for something, if you don't remain in me and do something that counts, you make me sick. That really is what the Greek means there. I'm just going to get sick. I'm going to, excuse me, but vomit. That's the reality of what this is about. And I don't want any of us to lose what God has for us. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to give it over to things that don't count. I don't want to waste my time doing stupid things. I could probably list them. I'm praying the Spirit will tell you. What are your stupid things that you're just wasting time that are actually good for nothing? And if you fill your life with that, Jesus literally says he'll spit us out of his mouth. It makes me sick. Verse 17, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Look at that first verse there, verse 17. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. What an attitude. It's basically saying, I don't need you, Jesus. I'm doing just fine on my own. Thank you very much. I'll go through the motions. 
Might even go to church, go to chapel, but I don't really need you. I'm perfectly capable on my own. The Laodiceans felt this way very clearly. They had three things going for them in that city. One was that it was a huge financial center, gigantic. There was so much money in this place that it was actually crazy. They had an amazing banking system. And in that banking system, they had so much wealth that when there was an earthquake that pretty much destroyed the city, they actually said to Rome, don't bother with sending your aid. We'll take care of it and rebuild ourselves. That'd sort of be like, I don't know, New Orleans after the hurricane went through and we don't need any aid, we're just fine, we'll take care of it. You know, money isn't enough. If you'll go to that next slide, please. Also, they were famous for black cloth. Black cloth brought in a ton of money. It was black wool. It was fine black wool. It was beautiful. People would pay big bucks for it. Things would be made out of it, and it was imported, sent all over the place. They were famous for this black cloth and clothing, looking good, being in style. Who gives a rip? They were famous for medicine. They were famous for an eye salve in particular. It helped everybody's eyes, but of course that was the day before glasses or contacts or anything like that. So imagine how much people would want things like that to try to heal their eyes and get better and be able to see and not go blind. So this city supposedly had it all together. They said, I've got it. I've got it taken care of. Thank you very much. I don't need anything. They were arrogant and prideful like the guy in this suit. It's all about me. Next slide, please. This guy is saying, moi. You know, pride and arrogance is a scary thing. It can take over without us realizing it. It's like I need the limelight. I need to be seen. Aren't I good? That went well. I've got it. But in the end, Jesus had something pretty straightforward to say to the church at Laodicea. He said, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Next slide. Wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You think you look great. You think you've got it all together. 
but in actuality, here's how I see you. You're pretty wretched. You think you've got all that banking and money and everything that you need, but you're poor. You're poor in spirit. You're poor. And besides, you're blind. You're blind, he's saying. You have your eyes salve. Isn't it interesting that all three of these relate to what Laodicea was famous for? He's saying, you have your eyes salve. You have your medicine. You can see. You're proud of it. But he's saying, you can't see. What's he saying? He's not talking about literal sight. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's saying, you do not have insight into the kingdom of God. You do not see what I'm about. You don't see what I'm doing. You don't see how I'm working. You're missing me. And you're naked. You've got your fancy black wool cloth, your fine woolen garments. You are a fashion statement. But he's saying, you're naked. What is the antidote to independence and self-reliance? He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. There are the three things all over again. He's saying to them, I've got what you need. I've got it all. I've got gold refined in the fire. I'm going to put you through some things. It'll be hard, but it'll refine you. Some of you are going through some hard things right now. Don't worry, he's just refining the gold. He's saying, well, it's pretty miserable. Yeah, right. But God is giving you riches. He's making you more like him. He's using these circumstances, whatever they are, to change you. He's putting the fruit of the Spirit in you. Long-suffering, self-control, patience. He's, he's changing you. He has such good things for you. And if you just trust him through the hard times, he's going to see you through. And you will be rich. You will have so much. And I'm speaking from experience. I can tell you stories, but I'm not up here to tell my stories. I'm here to say, God is faithful. God will see you through like he's seen me through. And I've changed, and I'm different, and I've got so many riches, I can't believe it. God is so good to me. Have I gone through hard times? Yes, I have. Am I going through hard times? Yes, I am. Does it make any difference? No, it does not. Because God is working a work in me. Praise God. He loves you. And he's saying then, I'm going to give you white clothes to wear. 
He is looking at black as being sinful, and he's saying, I'm going to give you white clothes to wear, the clothes of holiness, the clothes of righteousness. I'm going to clothe you in my work. I'm going to clothe you in the power of my spirit. I am going to baptize you in the spirit. I am going to keep filling you up with the spirit. You are going to be endued with power from on high, which literally means endued, it means clothed. I'm going to clothe you with the spirit. Wow, how beautiful can you get? And he says, I'm going to give you salve to put on your eyes so you can see my salve, my insight. Jesus has so much more for you. He ends this section by saying, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. What do you do? If you fit in any of the categories of the Laodicean church, you repent. You say, I'm sorry, God, that I put anything else in place of you. I will tell you right now that anything that you think is going to be important to you that isn't Jesus, you might as well get rid of it. Because nothing is like Jesus. Remember I said at the beginning that revelation is a revelation of Jesus. It's him. And and he's saying, I'm everything to you. I am everything you can possibly need or want. Anything else that you put in place of me that you think is going to give you everything that you need will not work. You will not be satisfied. And then this famous verse, verse 20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. This verse is often used for the unsaved. It is basically saying, you know, let Jesus into your life and get saved. Okay, that's fine, but actually, literally, this verse is for the church at Laodicea. It's for believers. It's for us. He is saying to us, to the church, listen, folks, every morning I'm knocking on your door. Every moment I'm knocking on your door. I am just looking for you. I am wanting to spend time with you. I am wanting to relate to you. I want to come in and have an intimate fellowship with you like we're having dinner together. I want to talk to you over dinner. I want to get to know you, and I want you to get to know me. He's basically saying, will you let me in? Will you let him in every day, every moment, because we're supposed to remain in him every time, all the time? Will you put him first? Jesus ends this section to the one who is victorious. 
I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. In other words, you can find the victory to do this. You can find the victory of giving up everything else that you've ever used to replace Jesus with. You can give it up. And if you are victorious, you'll reign with him in heaven. Whoever has ears, the last verse says, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you have ears today? I mean, this is quite a thing he's saying, if you have ears. Yeah, we have ears. We all have ears, probably. We all can see the interpreter. He's saying, hear in your spirit. Hear and do something about it. We stand with me, please. Lord God, you are amazing. You are everything. We worshiped you earlier and we praised you and we brought glory to your name. But I ask, Father, for every student who heard this message today, might they take it in and hear it in their inner being. It's not just singing. It's not just a good time around the altar. It's living it out, God. Every day, every moment, putting you first. Might they never substitute anything because it'll mean nothing. It'll mean nothing. And Lord, as I close today, I thank you because you said you'd meet people around these altars. You told me. So God, I expect that you will. I believe that as people come forward today and meet you here, that you are going to touch them, that they are going to repent for certain things that you have spoken to them about that they need to give away to you. And they need to put you on center stage, prime in their life, first in their life, and remain in you all day long doing what you ask. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. These altars are open. We come and meet with him. He's knocking on your door. He wants to spend time with you today. He wants to speak to you further. He wants to have an impact in your life. He wants to get some things straightened out.